I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the podcast for all things Disney for NPR Illinois Community Voices and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host today, Craig, joined by my two co-hosts. First, Mr. Brett Rutherford. How are you, sir? Good, thanks. Good to be awesome. here and all of us together with bright, shiny faces or whatever. It's quite the enchanted evening, isn't it, Miss Vanessa Ferguson? That was my best I could do. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know that you doing some kind of visual motion with no sound means that there was just dead <laughs> air for like several seconds there. Way to go, Radio Pro. What do you mean with no sound? Yeah, it did. It, it didn't come across. Can you do your? Did you make you, a sound? Ah, I did. I was singing. Ah, I went. Ah. Sorry, that was me. It's so funny because it cuts out. Are you? Are you? Are you fooling me right now? I'm not messing. Apparently, my mic does not want me to sing. Wow, <laughs> that rude. is so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. Okay, so, I, so I went ah. Uh, 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 uh. Did it come out that time? <laughs> yes, yes, it did come out that okay. time. Good. It's when you go into your soprano range, only dogs it's like, can hear you it. You are not a soprano. You shall be an alto. <laughs> Thank you, sure microphone. That is so great. Well, we are for sure going to review Disenchanted, which just came out on Disney Plus this past week. And so this is our full disclosure. It'll also be dropping on the Front Row Network feed. If you're on the Front Row Network feed and are just now hearing us for the first time, make sure to jump over to that Beyond the Mouse feed. We have a lot of fun as well over there. But what we're going to do today is talk a bit about this film. The first thing we do is that we do kind of a non-spoiler um, bit of, you know, do we recommend that people go and check this movie out on Disney Plus? Plus and try not to give away too many of the plot points. And then we'll dive right into the spoilers that we have for the film. So first, let's go with you, Vanessa, and hopefully not in a soprano voice, but go ahead and tell us what your thoughts are. Non-spoiler of Disenchanted. Non-spoiler thoughts are that it is fun to watch. It is a nice uh kind of look back on some of your favorite characters and then uh, look forward to see what they're doing now. I understand why it's on Disney plus, but we will talk more about that at a later time during this episode. But overall, I think it's fun and it, there you have it. Yes. What, what do I want to say about this? I normally will tell you that it's on Disney Plus, and so you should go check it out. And I still think that you should go check it out on Disney Plus. I do think that this movie is probably about 40 to 45 minutes too long. And that I do think that I wish that they would have trimmed it up quite a bit. I like the music uh, by Alan Macon and Stephen Schwartz quite a bit, just like I did in the first Enchanted film as well. But where the first Enchanted got you kind of in and out and had a lot of brevity to it and, and sort of some laughs, this film sometimes at points uh, tried to be a bit too serious in its themes. And I thought that there was almost like too much of a juxtaposition between the very frilly, like classical Alan Macon music and then the script that we got. And so I don't know that, I know you two had mentioned that you had watched this a second time. I don't know that I need a second viewing of Disenchanted. I think that I'll probably run back to the original if I wanted to check anything else out uh, in this franchise of films. But Brett, what are your non-spoiler thoughts on this film? Non-spoiler. Okay, that's the big word, non-spoiler. Well, two words, not, is that non, non-spoiler? I think anyway. it's a hyphen. I think it's hyphen. A hyphen, yeah. okay, it's a hyphen. So it's, okay. Well, since I'm such a fan of Enchanted, and I mean big, big, huge fan, I had major trepidation before watching Disenchanted. Okay, that being said, and we'll talk more about it, now that I have watched it twice, I'd say, go ahead and watch it. Mm -hmm. That build up for that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You said non-spoiler. I am trying to... And keeping it brief because I don't want to get that scathing review. Oh, he just, he could, if he would have talked 45 minutes less, it would have been so much better. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right. Well, I, I guess that 
there you have it. Uh, probably one of the more tepid responses you've heard <laughs> from this crew about a Disney film, but maybe we'll get into that more in the spoiler section. And so uh, I think we'll just go ahead then and dive right into it. So if you have not seen this film, we do all recommend that you at least go and check out Disenchanted, maybe fast forwarding through some of the scenes that are taking place some way for some reason on a subway train um, over and over again. But We'll go from here to our spoilers in three, two, one. Giselle well, made a baby. Giselle did. That's not really a spoiler, though. Well, that wasn't in the first movie. No, well, that's true. It's 10 years later. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 10 years later, and we're moving out to the suburbs of New York, which this film was actually filmed in Ireland. So quite the suburbs. They, they move into suburbia. And if that perturbias. Or disturbias you. Then you should not watch about just the... Suburbia. Okay, so I've only watched this once, oh and I know that the gosh. two of you have seen it. Uh, I know Brett, you said you saw it twice. You saw and it I again saw today. One point two five times, and you saw it one point two five. I think that I may have like gotten up to go get a drink of water or something. How did it become a fantasy land? Like, I think I missed that. Did did Giselle just wish oh. it? Okay, or so like, you how missed, did that like, happen? The whole plot. You missed like um, the whole thing. <laughs> Apparently, I. Why like, are they singing? I I missed, is this like, a musical? I, okay, literally, yes. I missed can like thirty I... seconds of this film, and I feel like I missed an entire thing. Can I synopsis this, yes. please? Yes. Wikipedia plot points. Here we come. All right, Giselle, she made this baby, but oh, Manhattan apartments—they're too tiny, so they gotta move out to Monroeville or wherever it is in suburbia, and that might perturb you. So she gets there and what does her daughter do? She gets all grumpy faced teenager and sarcastic. Oh, but then our two friends, Idina Menzel and other guy, they come back. James Marsden. Through, Marsden. They come through the wishing well, which I really thought was their sewer backing up. But anyway, they arrive and they give a gift, which sounds like it's going to be to Morgan, uh, which is, kind of the stepdaughter but in, and they're like oh this is a great gift this is amazing we brought it for her we brought it for her we brought it for your newborn baby not her and so this magic gift is a wand and the wand will give you whatever wish you want if you are a true daughter of cartoon land and mm. so what happens the poor stepdaughter she keeps having all these things bad happen to her and do you know what she does she calls Giselle her stepmother. Yeah. And so Giselle's like, oh no, my world is so terrible now. And so she's like, I wish my life was like a fantasy land, like in that cartoon place. And then when she wakes up, everybody's bought in. They've been practicing their choreography overnight. They've done, ran through the musical numbers. Everybody's on the same page when she wakes up. Huge plot point. Does that does that cover it for you, Mr. McFarland? I think it does. I, you know, it's just weird because like I, I got all of that. I, I paid attention. I had all of it with the magic wand and everything. And then again, I think I went to go get a drink of water. And when I came back, um, like everything had changed and they were, you know, in this magic land. So I just assumed that they were all dreaming. And then at the end of the movie, most of them wake up and they were like, that was a dream. And so it's like one of those things where when you say like any big series or TV show that you really enjoy and you're like, what if it ends up being a dream the whole time? And then this movie was actually just a dream the whole time. So <laughs> that's where I but think no, maybe they the explain yeah. it. They explain yeah. it. They say that only the people who, you know, wield the Cast magic the spell, yes they they remember the what happened yeah that was and yeah. craig the reason why you might have missed it is because she's like singing it in the lyrics of her wish at the end mm. and then and then nothing happens and she goes and sets it down and she tells um chipmunk pip uh who come pip who comes at all these people just show up at the right time and oh. then pip 
is there. It's like they were she's scripted. Like, yeah, it's almost like it was weird. And mm-hmm. then, <laughs> and then Pip, she says to Pip, "Oh, I guess it didn't work." But then they wake up. All the appliances are singing, and I did not see one instant pot in that thing singing the song. <laughs> justice for instant pot. I did yes. see like a dancing coffee maker at the end um, during the credit song. So I did see that at the end. So let's go through this film then and just chat about some of our actors that are in it. I think we do have to start with our Giselle and Amy Adams. And I will say that, you know, as much of the critiques that I have of this film, Amy Adams is a Oscar caliber actress and deserves an award um, for <laughs> something that she's done. I would probably say Arrival is her best work. But when you have her flipping back and forth between Giselle, the nice Giselle, and then the evil stepmother. She's doing some real acting there. And I really enjoy the complete shift in her personality. It's not just like a tonal inflection that she's changing. It really is like completely altering her ego when she's acting those out. And a lot of like, there's that scene where she's basically having a conversation with herself. And I really thought that she did a great job in that. And then Mm -hmm. she brought back that like Giselle character. And I was wondering how that was going to go because, you know, we've actually had a chance to talk to Kevin about this. And when they were casting Amy Adams, um, she was really a relative nobody at the time, 15 years ago. And now she is a ginormous mega superstar who's been nominated for Academy Awards. So when she comes back to this role, is her heart going to be in it? And I will say 100% as a viewer, I believe her heart was in this. So Brett, what do you think about Amy Adams and her performance in this film? Well, Amy Adams is perfection always, and sometimes through no fault of her own. <laughs> With the hillbilly elegy, uh, she does great work in in shows that in films that have uh, not so strong, not so strong writing, and I think that's the case here. We'll get into writing here because I would like to grill those people. But anyway, Amy Adams. We were talking about Amy Adams. She's just perfection. I love her in everything she does, and. I, there are just no words other than she is flawless to my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And Vanessa, what about you? What are your thoughts on Amy? Do you agree with Brett and I? I do. I thought she was flawless. I, I even love the moments where her, her daughter Morgan is being sarcastic, being inconsiderate of her feelings and you you can see so much so much reads on her face so well and it's so subtle and your heart breaks for her because i mean you you what i like about this movie is that there are no real villains in this film as opposed to the first one and in this one you you totally get where morgan is coming from uh, because Giselle keeps embarrassing her at this new school and she's making things really challenging for her. And, but at the same time, you totally get Giselle's point of view and how heartbroken she is that this daughter that she's helped to raise for years and years and had special memories um, made with, she, this daughter is angry at her all the time. And she's just so sad. She doesn't know what to do. And, and that's, it, it's so subtle and it's, really stunning how how well she just conveys so much in body language in this film and tone she is like a master at this in this film i i love her i think she's absolutely great if nothing else you have to watch this film for her Mm -hmm. and she dances so well and her line is so beautiful her ballet Mm -hmm. training coming in but yeah Mm -hmm. she's just fantastic throughout the whole thing wait wait a minute what if I what if I went ahead and told you all that there was some breaking Disney news and I feel like maybe we ought to talk a bit about that instead of a potentially more mediocre movie that uh, we are now discussing. Uh, it's being reported as of several minutes ago that Bob Iger is returning as CEO of the Walt Disney Company and that Bob Shapik is resigning immediately. From Shut the company. The front door. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dreams do come true. <laughs> what? Um, what? I am so sorry, but I feel what? like I don't know, guys. Maybe we got the wishing wand. I, 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 I wow. 
it is being reported not only at the Hollywood Reporter, but also CNBC, The Wrap. Um, I mean, all of these places are uh, are reporting it. So I I would imagine that this is oh my actual gosh. news. And so with that being said, um, I don't even know what to do with this at this point, y'all. I feel like this is something that we probably should comment on. Uh, and I understand that we're in the middle of a full disclosure for Disenchanted, but um, change that graphic. <laughs> I think we need to give uh, maybe some comments yeah. to well, this. Whoa, oh, whoa! Reporting it too. Yeah, we thank oh, Bob Chapek for his service to Disney over his long career, including navigating the company through an unprecedented challenge of the pandemic," said Susan Arnold, chairman chairman of the board. <gasps> The okay, board Brooke, has concluded what I thought you were literally just spilling that out, Brett. And I'm like, wow, Brett, you are the best PR writer on the spot. No, you're just reading something. Okay, continue. Mm. Uh, the board has concluded that as Disney embarks on an increasingly complex period of industry transformation, Bob Iger is uniquely situated to lead the company through this pivotal period. Whoa. Hollywood Reporter, let's quote our sources. Wow. Wow. Oh, but it's Bob. Oh, but that means that that means that um our Disney dude isn't there yet. But maybe he'll be next. The only <laughs> the only thing though, fellas, and I know that this is just breaking news and it's coming out very quickly and we'll probably see updates soon. But I don't know. I I would just wish there was a few more reputable actual news. I mean, I don't Hollywood know. Reporter, Hollywood CNBC. Reporter, CNBC. CNBC. It seems like enough reputable sources to have gotten the press release from them. Um, so I, I think, okay, here's how I'd like to handle this. Uh, and clearly I'm going to be posting the this episode as soon as possible um, because then that way we can get our thoughts out. I think that in Please, um, Brett and Vanessa, let me know what you think about this as well. Um, but I, I think that we can all agree that uh, Disenchanted maybe was not necessarily the film that we had expected it to be. Um, and Brett, you mentioned something about the writing. Perhaps we can comment on some of that. And then I do think that maybe we pivot here and just discuss pivot. our thoughts pivot. on this. Pivot. What is it? Pivot. Yeah, that's pivot. fine. Do you want to start it over? No. I think we just keep going. Okay. Just keep going. I think we just, uh, I think this is, uh, <laughs> you know, the the breaking news in the middle of the podcast episode, oh my I think, is, uh, is something else. We've never done that, that before. Fun. So, so Brett, let's wrap up the, okay. uh, let's wrap this up. Um, what okay. about your, what about your thoughts on Disenchanted? I, I will say, I, I guess I'll give my thoughts uh, here. I, I thought that Alan Menken uh, turned, you know, of course, uh, amazing in his writing. I don't know that the uh, music matched the movie to me. Uh, and you can tell that Shankman had said in interviews previously that he was going to get the script done and then he was going to approach Menken and Schwartz about the music. And I wonder how Kevin approached that, like it, in the writing. I mean, clearly Kevin didn't write the film, but I'm wondering if maybe it was a more of a collaborative process because it did seem like something was completely off between the two. Like they weren't necessarily on the same page in this. And I'll tell you that, you know, um, and this might be controversial, uh, but I'm going to throw it out there and then, you know, run away from it. I didn't really like Maya Rudolph in this film. And so I she know. didn't compel, she didn't actually yeah. stand up to Susan yeah. Sarandon for me. Um, I actually liked her in, not just because we've interviewed Yvette Nicole Brown, but I liked her sidekicks more than I liked her. I also thought that Pip kind of stole the show. So uh, out of all of the characters that we had, Patrick Dimsey to me kind of fell by the, the wayside a little bit. Uh, and anyway, so that those are my thoughts on the film. And um, Brett, I'll go to you about the writing. And then Vanessa, you can give your thoughts. And then I think we jump right into this breaking news. Okay. Well, as I said, I had... I love the first film so much, and it is done so extremely well that going into this, I was trying not to do a comparison, you know, the whole time. So the first time I watched it, I was in snarky land. <laughs> I'm like going, wow, and, and not without reason. And that was primarily the script. I'm like going, it, when I was watching it the second time, you know, the Nancy character, 
um, she was kind of still, she still had her, you know, her basis in reality that you could tell that she just, you know, she was in New York, but she's been in Andalasia for 10 years, but she was still her, but she was still herself. But with Giselle, I'm like going, she, in, in Enchanted, she starts off as, you know, this animated film, animated character come to life. And in the period of three days goes through this transformation into a, you know, much more real grounded person experiencing all these things. But apparently the real world was too much for her and she could not cope because she went back to talking about Andalasia all the time to, to good points and bad points. But anyway, so I, I didn't understand why she, her character did not grow during the time and, and why, okay, thank you, Vanessa, for reminding me that they moved because, you know, their apartment was too small, but I'm like going, they could have found a bigger apartment. I'm really yeah. thinking they could. So it just seemed, it it just seemed that they that they were shoehorning this new experience into the script, and it just kind of I didn't, uh, and and to f it just didn't do it for me. I was quite disenchanted by this film, honestly. So, but on second viewing i was watching it the first time i watched it for what i was hoping it would be the second time i watched it i watched it for what it was and what it is and i enjoyed it the second time much more um there's all sorts of easter eggs all over the place so that was fun and i caught them more on the second time too because the bakery shop is mary popovers um <laughs> bakery shop so cute anyway so many other things so and um i i want to uh I just want to say that I enjoyed it the second time. Um, I will watch it again, but it was, it, 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 I wish it would have been more. That's my wish. <laughs> wish it was a better movie. But anyway, back to the breaking news. Well, no, Vanessa now, hasn't uh, given any of her final thoughts. Breaking news. Vanessa has final thoughts. Yes. Um, so yeah, I agree with a lot of, with what Brett said. Um, I'm just going to add a few more points of things I noticed um, with Idina Menzel's character. I kind of felt bad for her because her love interest is um, always being so inconsiderate and she's constantly correcting him. And I thought, oh, this isn't really a fantasy. Is it for her a fairy tale? Like, is it? So that was, I don't know. It was a little disappointing. And mm -hmm. um yeah, Maya Rudolph, um, you know, I think she's brought in to be funny, but um, I don't know. It just played very modern. I think that's what Brett, you said last night. Yeah, it plays yesterday. very modern and it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't seem to match the, I don't know. It Tone. just, it wasn't, it was, it was kind of like, um, it felt like very start and stop when, when she would come up, like here we're in a fantasy and then it was modern take. Her, um, her character didn't, sorry to, to step in here for a second, her character did not change much between, you know, the Monroeville evil lady who's in charge of everything and, you know, the Monroe Lazia. Maybe that's sort of it, thing. because all the other characters go very fantasy land, very right. fairy tale. And she, and should, she, have, she should have gone over the top modern. and, you know. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's but I it. I think modern, I don't know. I like We love her, duet. but I'm like going, yeah. That it's scene just, was fun, um, yeah. but there's the the music is pretty. It feel oh see, and this is where we're gonna get into these real people who do this for a living, who are really great at this. And here I am in the middle of next to a cornfield giving my opinions. Who am I to even say this? But yeah, it I feels understand. a bit theater formulaic, and like the lyrics are very wordy. There's no bangers it with this soundtrack you don't come away like we don't talk about bruno how far i'll go from moana uh give me any other <laughs> you're just, you're just naming all of lin-manuel miranda's uh so I, yeah. I am let hearing some love power though in my head that kind of sticks i mean it's what's love power exactly oh gosh that's is the that Dina the let it... song oh i thought that was called let it grow no like real for real <laughs> Isn't that a lyric? What? No, no. So she really does. She no. sings "Let It Grow," doesn't she? So I, I assumed that yeah, that was the name of the song. I thought it was supposed out. to be funny. Well, well oh, you're and looking to, that up. 
and and there is a there is a correction or something actually there it's kind of common knowledge while everyone was asking why adina menzel did not sing in the first show and 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 you must you must listen to the kevin lima youtube commentary of his film enchanted because it is brilliant and wonderful and everything you want to know and even more including that adina menzel was supposed to have a song in the first film but disney and the powers that be there didn't think that she was commercial enough <laughs> which i'm like going so adina score for you because in this instance uh, revenge is a dish best served frozen <laughs> i'm sorry you've been I thinking about that, that all day haven't you no no not all day i thought of it all yesterday all right all right okay i think all right i think we've talked enough about disenchanted well, i think I now guess. we've got I to mean, talk about and you know uh, we as a uh, group have not necessarily let our um thoughts and opinions of disney former disney ceo bob chapix uh, <laughs> sorry i'm laughing oh gosh go ahead uh, tenure. And in that, to me, the Disney company has always been about innovation and moving forward. And so much of what Bob Chapek did, and, and again, even though he was faced with this amazing challenge of a pandemic, he also did still have Bob Iger helping to lead during that time as well. And you could see that the rift between the two men were really starting to grow, especially as Bob Iger was officially leaving the company. If you remember correctly, um, Bob Iger stood on in essentially like a senior advisor role and still on the board for about a year and a half uh, as Bob Chapek was really taking over the reins. Now, you can also say that that maybe kind of handcuffed Bob Chapek from the very beginning, plus there's a pandemic. But it's clear that the Disney fans uh, all around social media immediately rejoicing this. And I, I wonder if the same would be said uh, if it were something else where, um, where Iger was stepping down in a similar fashion. I think that Disney fans might have been a little bit more torn on the decision, but Bob Chapek became kind of the public, regardless if he deserved it or not, he became the public figurehead for a lot of these decisions in pushing costs onto the um, fans and to really kind of driving home the fact that Disney is in fact a business. And I understand they've always been a business, but it's always seemed more than that to the people at the top and to those leading the company. And so this is just very intriguing to me. Of course, there was reports that perhaps the shareholders would not uh, renew his contract several months ago, and they actually doubled down, really tripled down and signed him to a new three-year deal. And that just happened uh, again within the last couple of months here. I'm sorry that I don't have my dates right off the top of my head because literally this is breaking news. And so he just came off of a D22, D23 2022 Expo, where he was presenting at the Disney Legends panel. We did hear some boos in the audience coming from that as well. Whether or not that is, uh, you know, respectable of the people that were in the hall, it did happen. And that's not necessarily a good sign. But I want to think that when it comes down to it, and I'm going to turn to Vanessa, the MBA student here, because when it comes down to it, Bob Chapek ultimately answers to the shareholders. And I just looked it up. The year to date on Disney shares, uh, Disney stock, it started the year around $156 per share. It's now currently around $91 per share. And so you can see that it's lost a lot of market value over this past year. So Vanessa, what are your kind of thoughts here? I know that I'm springing this on you like out of nowhere here, but what are your thoughts from a business perspective, perhaps why the Walt Disney company might be doing this? I also know, I think you've been doing some projects and things, maybe utilizing some of the Disney company's annual reports and all that too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I did look at their financial statements and did a com comparison back when I took an accounting class and I'd have to pull up that project to remember what all I said at that time. But as can be imagined, their 2020 financial statements were a mess. Everything hit, uh, took a hit. It wasn't just parks um, where they might have done a little better with digital streaming services. Um, I mean, keep in mind that filming as well was at a halt. So when you think, oh, well, everybody was at home able to stream, they must have been making money. Well, Kinda, they, you know, but they also had all these other issues and things tied up with film. So um, I can understand some of the challenges that Bob Chapek walked into 
no one loves to walk into that situation, especially following someone who is so beloved, um, like Bob Iger. So I don't know what's going on. You know, earlier I said I was a little nervous commenting without, um, more media sources reporting on it. Um, just because, uh, like CNBC, yes, obviously that's a real news reporting, but they've also kind of reported over the past year or two years of some of the drama between Bob Iger and Bob Chapek. Like, uh, apparently they reported on like this very awkward dinner party and there was speculation that these two, they were being professionally nice, but they actually really didn't get along. And how could they be working together? How could Bob Iger be bestowing his wisdom upon Bob Chapek if there's this kind of tension between the two? And so, I, which seemed a bit sensational. Um, so I'm like, eh, see what the good reporters can find out um, as this story breaks more and, and they take comment. Um, but I will say Bob Chapek is known as, is getting to be known from, um, shareholders. And I think shareholders in a very general term can mean anybody that has any stake or sorry, stakeholders, anybody that has any stake in the company, whether it's just a, a fan, someone who watches film, someone who goes to the park, um, he's known as Bob Paycheck. That can't be good. He's known, um, there's articles where he's known as the guy who makes cuts. So he doesn't seem to be having a great reputation in his time. And uh, I would love to know what's going on in those board meetings behind the scenes. If he's getting blamed with their kind of dismal return. Um, well, this isn't the first time that there has been some contentious uh, talks behind the board. And of course, we don't know what's going on. I'm sure we'll hear additional reporting as this comes out. And, and you know, you can follow up with us uh, if we feel like that's necessary. But I, I will say that, you know, in reading the book Disney War, it talks a lot about Roy E. Disney. That's the son of Roy O. Disney, who brought on Michael Eisner and sort of the contentious battle that those two really had. At the beginning, it was really Roy E. Disney who brought Michael Eisner in to save Disney because they were worried about uh, basically a corporate buyout um, and then basically brought in Eisner to sort of right the ship. He does for a really Eisner long time. Eisner and Wells. Mm -hmm. What's There's that? Eisner and Wells. Came. Sure, and Frank yeah. Wells, yes. And then Frank Wells uh, passes away in a plane crash in the mid-90s. And then from there, this contentious relationship between between Roy E. Disney and Michael Eisner truly develops to the point where Roy E. Disney was trying to get the board to uh, oust Michael Eisner. So this isn't necessarily this kind of corporate intrigue is not necessarily new to the Disney company. But to your point, Vanessa, I think it is really interesting that he became sort of this person that was thought of as the, the person that's always looking to charge the extra buck. I mean, we have, I'll tell you that we are planning our trip to Disney World in March, and uh, we were rushing to get our tickets purchased because December 8th, in case you haven't heard, I'm sure if you're following along a Disney podcast, maybe you have, but December 8th, uh, they are going to be raising ticket prices and not only raising them, but also changing them to a different price per park that you're in. Some of these ticket price increases could be pretty drastic, especially in the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World, where you might be paying up to uh, on the day of uh, Christmas, New Year's, those really busy days, $200, $199 uh, to get into the park on those days. And so this is stuff that is really starting to irritate and frustrate fans, not to mention now being kind of part of that DVC community. The whole situation with annual passes at Disney World, I'll tell you what, you want to get a, a bunch of really invested, fired up Disney fans, tell them you can't get APs once you just bought a big contract to go down to Disney World all of the time. So, uh, Brett, what are your thoughts on all of this? Well, it's so interesting. Just um, a week ago, I was talking to some very close Disney friends, and we were talking about the um, how do you solve a problem like Bob Chapek? And it was kind of like, and it was kind of like, I, in fact, I said, we have no Roy, we have no family, we have no one to, to have an intervention, but apparently the board took care of that on its own. Thank you, board. The other thing that was interesting in just reading um, part of an article um, says that Iger has agreed to serve as Disney CEO for two years. 
So that gives him an out or a stay, whatever he wants. Apparently, he's not moving uh, from the corporate world to the political world. So I'd say we can also we can end the speculation of uh, Iger twenty twenty four, huh? Well, and also, I mean, as a former CEO, he has an, a huge stock or stake in <laughs> in this. Uh, in this company as well so it's it's the in, in the interest of he and his family and his progeny and all this that he makes the company stronger for you know their bottom line yeah very <laughs> speaking speaking of the bottom line it'll be very interesting to see when the markets open tomorrow the reaction to this i imagine the overnight trading is going to be in a positive direction with Iger coming back in i mean Iger is someone that you know uh Forgive me if this is recapping something that you already know. I think the one that people forget about is the Pixar acquisition, because at the time, Michael Eisner and Steve Jobs had really butted heads and they were going two separate directions, even though, yes, we know of things like A Bug's Life and Toy Story and Finding Nemo coming out under the Disney label uh, in cooperation with Pixar, but it was an actual acquisition until Iger came on board and really met with Steve Jobs and moved over that relationship. So he brings on Pixar, um, which was, of course, an incredibly uh, important acquisition for the company. And then they go out and purchase Marvel. And you know what that has done uh, from here. And then also Star Wars as well. And then uh, don't forget that that big Actually, the biggest acquisition of all was when they bought 20th Century Fox and bringing in all of those properties. We haven't really started to see necessarily the Fox acquisition come to fruition, much like we have the other ones, because there just hasn't been that much time. We do have a big blue movie coming in December, which is a acquisition would have been brought over from Fox. And that is Avatar 2, The Way of Water, The Shape of Water, Way of Water, The Way of Water. Um, I don't know. It's about blue people. I liked my blue people in Wakanda forever, so I'm probably not going to go see it. But uh, still, I I think it's really interesting they're bringing him in for two years. You know, uh, you mentioned earlier, Brett, when this broke, what about our Disney guy? I think you were probably mentioning Josh DeMauro, who's in charge of Disney parks and merchandising mm-hmm. and experiences right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is interesting because two years could be enough of a time to groom for him. Could also be that they decided to negate him as well. He has not come out of this whole year clean. I think people have said things like, oh, well, you know, Chapik is bad, but Josh tomorrow, he's okay because X, Y, Z, but he does run Disney parks and Disney parks right now are not necessarily thought of as maybe the most magical or happiest places on earth. They're thought of maybe as mo- one of the most expensive places on earth. And so. Okay. Well, go okay. Ahead. okay. Well, back to the back to the $200 a day on Christmas. Number one, if you're going on Christmas when it's crowded, rethink that. But anytime I have done the cost analysis, yes, Vanessa, a cost analysis of, <laughs> I know, her eyes just, what? Um, when you think, you know, say it was a, say it was, say it was $200 and say, you know, if it's a major day, especially if you're waiting in lines on Christmas, you're going to be there for 10 hours. So it's $20 an hour, $20 an hour to ride, you know, so if, and if it's a crowded day, maybe you get one thing an hour. Would you, would you spend $20 to ride the Haunted Mansion? Yes. Would you spend $20 to ride uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? Yes. You know, and so I'm like going, and and that's on a busy day. Say it's an it's say it's a hundred and hundred and fifty dollars. Well, oh now you're gonna make me do math. Anyway, um say it's hundred and fifty dollars for an eight well, let's say hundred and sixty dollars. There, thank you. For an eight hour day is still is still, well, yeah, twenty dollars an hour. Yeah. It's still well, and I will say, you know, Brett, I, I think that all of us, uh, you know, of course, like there are people that spend tons of money on sports cars and I'm never right. going to buy a sports or, car myself. I think everybody has to make decisions with how they're going to spend money. Right. I do think that um, you are looking at it from a perspective of one person going into the park and spending that money. Uh, when you start to look at bringing in families and everything else, uh, $800, $900 a day to go into the parks, that's an awful lot of money for a lot of people. Well, they should rethink so, going on Christmas. You'd go- Oh, when it's not, when it's not as crowded. 
Well, even still, I mean, like the base price for the Magic Kingdom is about to be $135 a day. I mean, that's still yeah. a lot of money. So, I, and those yeah, are but, on the slowest days. And, and I mean, how many of those days are going to, they're going to be in the yeah. calendar? Well, it's something that you plan for. Well, these, these are a tale as old as time, but, um, but yeah, but people that go are going for multiple days. So there will be breakdowns of the price and that sort of thing too. If you're mm -hmm. going for one day, you're probably just going to one park. And you've, and you know, and I wish you the best. Please don't go on Christmas. Anyway, but yeah, those are my thoughts. Vanessa, Vanessa you darling. So, as, and as much as we would love for as fans to hear, oh, Bob Chapek's leaving because customers are having a not great experience. And I, and I think there is some real validity to saying customers are not having as great experience as they have in the past. Um, you know, people have still been going to the parks. They still mm -hmm. had, I believe they still have, had, still have had good numbers. And, you know, just a general thought. And again, this is just me speculating because we don't know enough about the situation. But supply and demand, what do you do when you have too many people wanting to buy? You increase the price so that less people will come. And yes, people are paying more, but then less people are there. You have a, they have a better experience. So who knows if that's some of it, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that Bob Chapek's exit probably has more to do with that fourth quarter earnings. Um, they did. I, I thought I had read that Disney plus hadn't done as well as it thought, but actually this fourth quarter, it looked like it was, um, they had more subscribers than projected. But the bad is that they have missed other projections and revenue for um, other parts of their business. And they lost $1.5 in the quarter compared to a loss of $630 million in last year's fourth quarter. So, I mean, this is just a small snapshot of a very massive company. So it's hard to talk about, oh, it's fourth quarters when it could be so many other things uh, because they work on the billions of dollars level. Right. <laughs> well, know? it's. So so and certainly we, we, you know, there, there's a million ways that we can speculate about this. I will say that, and I, and I don't necessarily want to do that. I will say that it, the timing is extremely odd because uh, if anybody has logged into Disney plus in the last month, you've noticed that they've really been pushing Elton John's final concert from Dodger stadium, which is actually going to be starting here in about 40 minutes from where we're recording. And so it's just interesting that they would release this news that uh, perhaps becomes, you know, the, the news that Disney fans might be looking into as opposed to necessarily checking out and streaming that Elton John concert as well. So it's just interesting, the timing um, that leads to, again, potential speculation of whatever might be going on. But I'm sure we'll find out in the next few days uh, what the what the real decisions were and get some more context to this decision. The only other thing that, again, is like speculative and a bit from sensational reporting, which I don't even know if that's fair to say. It's just it when you have a story that is based on a, a lot of Disney employees said and they're all unnamed and then no one else reports on it, it doesn't give it in a lot more weight than it could when everybody's reporting on it. Um, but there was some uh, there was a story out about um, Bob Chapek's um, kind of restructuring of of some of the business um and uh, like and who would be in charge of what and i had the name up a second ago and i'm sorry i've lost it um i think his name's kareem daniel possibly and that he was kind of not a loved figure within the company or some like him some don't but he was uh power was being consolidated to him in a certain area and that was upsetting people and you know i mean i hate i wish uh in the future, when we talk about this again, it will not be breaking news and we will be prepared and we'll do our research as good right. journalists uh, that uh, we are. But yes, if I can just be Disney purely journalists. speculative here and I'm just speculating, um, you know, one of the things I did for my MBA class, one of them was we talk about the leadership styles and there are certain leaders where they want to be inclusive. They want to motivate you with intrinsic motivation. And then there are others who are a little more, um, want you under their thumb or they want to be in charge or they only want a small pool, a small circle around them so they can have um, more power. And you just have to wonder what the dynamics are in the Disney company. When you hear reports of JPEX giving more power to certain individuals, he's consolidating, he's 
pushing some management out. He's bringing his own pals that he's in, in close. I mean, who knows if that's true, but when you hear a report like that, you're like, what kind of a is Bob Chapek behind the scene? Is he one of those, what we think of as like a Marty Scalar? Is he a Bob Iger? Is he warm and fuzzy and encouraging? Or is he, no, it's going to be my way, that kind of leadership. And by the way, those leaders can be very effective mm -hmm. in making companies a ton of money. Look at Steve Jobs. He was that kind of a leader. But, you know, are they well-loved and do they eventually get the boot? Yeah. They do. So well, and, and you know, uh, there was this very dramatic um, article and I want to say, I, and again, this is all breaking. <laughs> like, so it, this, this occurred about a year ago. It was when Iger was leaving and he gave this very dramatic speech to the board as they left that this company needs to be one of imagination and that that needs to be a driving force. And essentially that the response from Bob Chapik was that that's yesterday and we're moving on from that. And so uh, I think that there's been rifts on this board for a while. I think that there have been, and as much as uh, Vanessa, you are absolutely right that ultimately the CEO answers to the shareholders and to the profit statements. I do think that the fact that your CEO of this major company is being booed by the biggest fans in the company at their annual expo or their uh, biannual expo. And then addition to that, just like the, the um, amount of uh, kind of hatred thrown at this guy, you so know, I think that that does bubble up. Something that you said, Craig, is very interesting because a lot of leaders, I think people who kind of work in business, but maybe don't study it. And I am not an expert by any means, but um, we think, oh, business is about the bottom line. It's about how do you make money? And it's not just that. And a lot of people can get very nearsighted in that outlook. And I think Bob Iger is absolutely right when he said that, because that uh, quality, that essence of Disney is an asset. You can actually put, um, there's something called, and if I'm saying this wrong, MBAs right and tell me I'm wrong so I can do better in school, but there's something called goodwill. And it's basically like um, the value of your company. If someone just wanted to buy it just because of the branding and the, um, attributes it has and the general feeling that people have about it. I mean, if you're just going to buy a Coke and you just, how much is this soda? You're also buying all this, this, um, gravitas, if you will, of this mm -hmm. company that's built itself up and same with you're Disney. buying the polar bears. You're buying everything. Right. You're buying, you're buying this, this it's Disney is more than just numbers on a paper. It is that warm feeling that people have when they go to the park. And, and it I, is I, the dreaming. It is the Imagineers. And if you don't treat that like an asset and you don't uh, nourish it and allow it to drive your business in the long run, you will be successful. But if you are so nearsighted that you're only thinking about the next quarter's financial statements or year end financial statements, you're going to be stressed out and you're going to want to take off all these extra what you see is extra costs, having no value to your company. And you're actually going to whittle, what can happen is you can whittle your company down to where you lose the real value, the real asset, mm -hmm. because it's not a tangible asset. And I do think that there are some uh, rough waters ahead for the Walt Disney company, for sure. But I wonder if uh, the, I mean, clearly the board sees that Bob Iger is the better person to lead through those rough waters. Uh, we do know that the friendly competition down the road in Orlando is going to be opening up a third theme park. And that is going to clearly draw some folks away, especially um, depending on what the cost is, the differential in cost as well. Um, we've heard from, I've heard from multiple different travel agency friends that, that people are starting to look that direction. So that's gotta be something too. So it's just interesting. It's all interesting. It's all speculative mm -hmm. at the moment because of, uh, the breaking news that had happened, but I guess let's go ahead and just give a, a couple of final thoughts here because we have went just about an hour. Uh, and that's usually <laughs> what we do for our reviews anyway, but Holy moly, I think maybe is the episode title Disney Becomes Disenchanted with Bob Chapik. Is that how, yeah. uh, is Ooh, that how that's an go? idea for a graphic? Thank there you. you go. There you go. I, but, I just Brett, want, can you, can you do this, Brett? Um, can you Photoshop Bob Iger in holding the wishing wand from Disenchanted? <laughs> because <laughs> I think somebody made a wish that tonight and something happened. Wow. 
I'm just, well, a, a challenge is always duly noted. Yes. So <laughs> I'll work on that. Um, but this is, this is, it'll be interesting when the dish comes out on this because uh -huh. this is, this seemed, this is a gut reaction, but this would have been in the works. You know, I was reading that the earnings came out on November 8th and here we are on November 20th. So I'm like going, I think things have been happening since then, but the idea he's coming in to save the day. Bob Iger is coming in mm -hmm. to save the day clearly. And I hope he does. And, 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 you know, please, they already, they've already announced their, their park pricing, you know, so that was, you know, if they go ahead with that, which I'm sure they would, then, you know, they, they, they got, they got the money that they wanted and the new management that they wanted. So that should make the board happy, you know, but yeah, uh, certainly it, it's either been in the works for uh, a long time or something more explosive has happened that we don't know about yet. So we'll find out, find out in Ooh, the future. Um, I, like I said, we could speculate for days, but anyway, this was wild. Uh, y'all. So yes. um, I think what, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump off and actually go live on the podcast pals group and talk about it on there for a little bit. I normally go onto our Patreon group, which you should all join and talk about things. But uh, if either of you want to join, just let me know, but we'll talk a little well, bit no, about this. I don't because Brett called me Norma Desmond before we started recording. <laughs> I no. don't want to come on. I like your thing. I like your hair thing. It's my no, ear warmer for when I take yes. my dog for a while. I like okay. your ear warmer. It's very no, cute. I'm not coming on. <laughs> All right. Vanessa, any my final thoughts before we get out of here? Final thoughts. Um, yes, please understand that this is a fan podcast. We are just fun fans mm -hmm. speculating. Um, I am not a graduate of the MBA program, so I do not want to represent any of my professors who might be going, what is she talking about? She's completely off. Um, but we're just having a little fun speculating who knows if we'll ever know. I mean, they're a big, they've got a big, uh, marketing and PR department over at Disney. So I don't know if they'll be tight lipped or not. Um, we'll find out what has happened. We might find out later, give it about 20 years and we'll get a book. Disney Civil War, Disney. I don't know. They've Disney. There's, there's a bunch of wars. Yes. I don't yeah, know. There's, there's a lot of Disney war going on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Disney lots of Disney well, war Disney, too. Yeah. Disney uh, chaos on the board books. I'm sure it'll come out eventually. Um, but yeah. Well, speaking of Disney chaos, if you want to go back and listen to any of our other episodes, there are nothing like this if you've never checked us out before. Um, but we can be found by searching Beyond the Mouse on any podcast platform. Of course, follow along with us on social media. Our Facebook group is already be bopping with this news. And we're going to be talking about that in there uh, as this news unfolds as well. So you can find us on Facebook. The page is Beyond the Mouse Podcast. But what I'm relating to is uh, Beyond the Mouse Podcast Pals, which is our group on Facebook. You can also go to Instagram, Beyond the mouse pod and then also twitter beyond mouse for as long as twitter exists so we'll see how long that might end up being <laughs> but uh that is a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day uh on the network of course the front row network where you can find all different sorts of podcasts for any interest that you have out there so definitely go and check those out but holy moly what an episode it, did not know we'd be talking about this halfway through our disenchanted review so I, I'm at a loss for words. So for Beyond the Mouse, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Brett. And we will see you real soon in the front row. I, maybe sitting right next to Bob Chapik because I think that's the way he's going to have to watch Disney movies from now on. Ooh, he might be available for a podcast. Or, oh, no. <laughs> no? I will gladly sit down with Bob Chapik. It's available. <clears throat> right. I, I As of day. now, immediately. Oh, <laughs> Lucid report. Yeah. 